Um, what I want to talk a little bit about positioning for this new season. We're going to talk about positioning for this new season. This past week, we were at the Apostolic Conference, and Barbara Wintrouble put together some things, and it just really resonated within me. How many of you have ever watched a movie more than once? How many of you read a book more than once? Same book, okay? Good. Um, you do? Do how many of you read a book? Who you read a book? If it's small. We want it tonight, when you leave, if you didn't get one of these books, and you will read it, we want to give this book to you. Sunday we shared where we were going, what we were doing, what the Lord was doing with inside of us, and, and we, want to, we, want, we want you to experience the same things. And it's called Spiritual Slavery to Spiritual Sonship. Spiritual Slavery to Spiritual Sonship. Do you read? Yes. Okay, here's the book. I'm going to give you that one, and, and you can take that. And we want to make sure that you read that. Now, in the back of that book, there's some questions that will challenge you. We don't want you just to read the book. I do this a lot. I'll read the book, and it was like, oh, there is something in the back. I didn't know that. <laughs> in the back of this book, there's some questions that will challenge you, and we want you to be able to just have the time to, to fill that out. What we're also doing is when we step into this, what we're doing is we're going to bring in Darren and Sheila um, Begley from a, uh, God's house in Atoka, and we're going to have a sonship weekend. We're on a Friday night. He's going to teach on Saturday morning. He's going to teach on Saturday night. There's going to be prophetic ministry for entire families. So if you've never received a prophetic word before, it, you're gonna, you just bring your family up, and, and it's something that's pretty cool and new than, that they're doing, and, and I think it really speaks to destiny into families. So um, make arrangements to be able to, to come to that, and then they're going to speak again on Sunday morning. So we're going to begin to launch into some new places, going to launch into some new things. So we see this on the horizon. We see that there is a new season. We're in, in, stepping into a new season. How many of you know that you have not crossed this way before? You've not been here before. 2011, we have not been here before. Tomorrow is a new day. We've never been this way. The world has never been in the shape that it's in right now. The United States, the economy in the world, have never been in the shape they are right now. We have never crossed this way before. So I want us to take a look at some things that will help you position in that new season. So if you got pen and pencil, get that thing out and, and jot these down. Positioning for this new season. Number one, in order to position and have victory in this new season, we need to make sure that you don't override the leading of the Holy Spirit. Don't override the leading of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. Don't override the leading of the Holy Spirit. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. Here's what it says. It says, this was a time of transition for Joshua. Moses had died, and remember Joshua and Caleb had gone into the promised land, and, and they, with, with ten other spies, there was twelve of them, they went and spied it out, and Joshua and Caleb came back with those other ten, and they were the ones that had the good report. Those two guys had a good report. The other ten caused moaning and grumbling and griping within the camp, and then the Israelites spent 40 years 
getting into the promised land that Joshua and Caleb said, oh, no, we can go and take that. We can go and take that. Even though there's giants there, we can take that. So Moses has, has died, and Joshua is now beginning to, to take the leadership. And verse 1 says, Now it came about that after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, cross this Jordan, and you and all this people to the land which I am giving you them to the sons of Israel. How many of you know that it coming into a new season, as Joshua was getting ready to come into a new season, there are some things in the old season. We are coming to an end of an old season. Coming to an end. Say, it's an end to my old season. So there's, we're coming to an end of the old season. And as we come into the end of the old season, we have to understand some things. That as you come into the end of that old season, that you, you may be finding out that there's like, there's not enough grace or there's the lack of grace or grace is leaving from that old season to get you into a new season. How many of you know that we wouldn't step into a new season if we just so enjoyed the old season and the old season's good, let's just stay in the old season and we'll just be in the old season and everything else may be moving on past us, but we're just going to stay in the old season. That's what happened to the Israelites. They were in the old season. They, were, they, they, they wouldn't enter into the promised land, and they just kind of went around and around and around and around the mountain again. Praise God for the old season, but I say praise God for the new season. Say new season. I mean, I'm, I'm excited about a new season. But in that old season, we got to understand that there were some things in that old season that do not work in the new season. In other words, there are some things in the old season that don't work in the new season. We were born for this era. You were born for this age. You weren't born in the 1700s. You weren't born in the 1800s. You were born for such a time as this. Can I get an amen? I mean, how many of you are glad that you were born when there's air conditioning? How about heat? Anybody like some heat? Oh, come on now. You know, before they invented heating and air, you know, you, you could, you know, rub some sticks together and make a fire and just gather around the fire. How many of you are glad that they, they've got housing materials that they've got nowadays? Amen? Instead of like a sod house. Yeah, the sod's house. Well, how many of you are glad you got a place to go and get out of the shelter? Amen? So you don't want to bring, let's not bring those old things into this new season. Right? Let's not bring those old things into this new season. So we got to understand that there's things that just don't work. I know this is not on your notes up there, but Matthew chapter 9. Just turn with me to, to Matthew chapter 9. I want us to look at verse 17 because we have, to, we have to understand as we position ourselves for this new season what the word of the Lord says. What the word of the Lord says in Matthew chapter 9, verse 17. I'm going to go back to, um, I'm going to, go back to verse 15, and Jesus said to them, the attendants of the bridegroom cannot mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them, can they? But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and they will fast. No one puts a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, or the patch pulls away from the garment, and his worst tear results, and a worse tear results. Verse 17, nor do people put new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wineskins burst, and the wine pours out, 
and the wineskins are ruined, but they put new wine into fresh wineskins, and both are preserved. Here's a picture that if you put new wine into an old wineskin, an old wineskin has already been, um, it's already been expanded. And if you put new wine into it, it will expand that old wineskin and it'll break it. So he says, you've got to put new wine into a new wineskin. Say new wine in a new wineskin. If you put new wine into a new wineskin, throughout the fermenting process, it expands, then that new wine expands with it, and it doesn't bust. You don't wanna, you don't wanna go in your, in your pantry and find that you put new wine in an old wineskin and there's wine all over your pantry, all over the floor, all over the carpet, all over the shelves. You put it in new wine and it, in, in a new wineskin, and it will expand. So we need to understand that coming out of this old season, we need to be grateful for the old season. Let's praise the Lord. Let's give him some praise. Come on, give him some praise tonight for the old season. There were blessings in the old season. There were provision in the old season. There was glory in the old season. There was strength in the old season. There was revelation in the old season. There are things in that old season that we just can't say, well, you know, I'm just, I'm glad to be going into a new season, but there were blessings in the new season. And I, I just praise God tonight for the blessings in the old season. So if we're going to position ourselves for this new season, make sure that you don't override the leading of the Holy Spirit. God bless you. The next thing we need to understand is remember the prophetic promises for your future. We talked a little bit about this Sunday. Remember the prophetic promises for your future. If you've had a word of prophecy over you, get out that tape. Get out that CD. Begin to listen to it again. You got number two? Did you put number two up there? There we go. So we're gonna, what we're going to look at is remember the prophetic promises for your future. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. And this is what it says. We're just, is it okay if we get into the word tonight? First Timothy chapter one, verse 18. This is just a little bit of review from Sunday. Verse 18, first Timothy chapter one, verse 18. Say, if you're there, say I'm there. This command I entrust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you fight the good fight. In other words, you fight the good fight over those prophecies. So we have to war over those prophecies. We've got to fight for the promise. How many of you know that Joshua had to fight for the promise to go into the promised land? Joshua, it just didn't happen. Okay, Moses has died. Now you just go on in, Josh. Everything's going to be wonderful. Everything's going to be great. No, they had to war, and you have to war over those promises that God has for you. The will of God will never be convenient for your life. Let me say this again. Barbara Wintrouble said that. The will of God will never be convenient for your life. Well, I just love to serve God, and it's just convenient. It's not convenient. In God's perfect will for your life, there's going to be some inconveniences in your life. You can look in the book of Ruth and read about that. God's will was to restore Ruth, but there were some inconveniences that Ruth had to go through in order to step in to the will of God for their life. Psalms 105.19. Let's go to Psalms 105.19. And I know I had the opportunity to be able to mark my Bible so I can get there a little faster than everybody else. Psalms 
19, because there becomes a testing at times. There's a testing. There's a testing that's there. Psalms 105:19 says, Until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. The word of the Lord tested him. How many of you think that just because you love God that, that the enemy will just move out of your way? Well, you can just kind of walk right past him and he'll never even know. You know, if you're not doing anything for God, he probably's not paying you much attention. But you start reading, you start praying, you start declaring the word of God, you start living word of God, you start changing your life from dark to light. He's going to look up and take notes and say, Ooh, where do you think you're going, Eric? Who, who says that you can do that? So there's a time of testing when we begin to step into the things. How many of you know, sometimes the government does a poor job about it, but sometimes the Federal Drug Administration does testing before they release drugs, supposedly. Are you with me? There's a testing that takes place. There are testings in each and every one of us that takes place for us to get to that next level. Can I get an amen? So there's, there's testings that takes place. So basically, if you're going to be positioned and, and you're going to look at the promises of your future, when accusations come, we have a choice to get bitter or we can get better. When accusations come against you, against your family, against things that are going on in your life, you have the opportunity to get bitter or you can get better. I want to get better. I want to grow through those things. How about you? See, the reason God is preparing us to advance his kingdom God is preparing us for some things. See, the enemy either, either comes to steal, kill, or destroy. And he doesn't want you to move forward in the things of the Lord. So he'll want to discredit you or try to discredit the word of God that was spoken over you. The word of God that was spoken over you that says, you know, you can get up from where you're at and you can begin to take your promised land and move into those areas. You can overcome that bondage or whatever it might be. Those words that were spoken over you, the enemy wants to try to discredit those things. But not you. Turn to your neighbor and say, not me. So the enemy either comes to steal, kill, and destroy, or he wants to discredit you or the word of God that was spoken over you. Okay, let's turn with me to Galatians chapter 6. It's back in the New Testament. Galatians chapter 6. Anybody there? Say, I'm there. It says, let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time or due season we will reap. How many of you want to reap something? I want to get something, huh? I want to, if, I, if I'm going to sow something, I want to reap something. If you're going to plant, you want to receive a harvest from it. He says, you will reap if you do not, what? Grow weary. So we see this in this due season. Say due season. Say new season. Say my new season is a due season. And it's due for me. <laughs> I'm ready for it to do for me. How about you? I mean, I, this new season that we're walking into, I'm ready for some things to, 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 to be due, to, to come due, and to really begin to come into fulfillment that God wants us to come into. So testing on your life does not mean you've lost the anointing. Just because you're tested doesn't mean that you've lost the anointing. Just because there's opposition doesn't mean that you've lost the anointing. Just because things don't go your way doesn't mean you've lost the anointing. Say, I'm tested. 
but I'm anointed. You're still anointed. You're still anointed. You've not lost the anointing. But what happens is when that testing comes, it begins to develop something that we call character. It develops character within you. It makes you stronger. It makes you better, not bitter. I want to be better, not bitter. I want to get stronger, not weaker. It's developing character within each and every one of us. The third thing that we're going to get when, we, when, uh, when, we're, when we're trying to position for this new season is we just need to be in position for a new season. Uh, you've heard me say it before. A pitcher will not pitch until the catcher is in position. If you've ever watched a ball game, you know, you watch the ball game, and usually that's the case in professional uh, sports. You know, the catcher will, the catcher will be there, and, and, and he'll get down. The umpire will be over him. The catcher will be ready, and he'll give his signals. He still hasn't raised his glove yet. The pitcher's watching it. He's going inside the plate here. Give me a fastball inside. Then he positions the glove, and the pitcher pitches. You never see the catcher standing there talking to the umpire, and then all of a sudden the pitcher pitches. So we've got to be in position for this new season. In position. Say, I'm in position. Joshua chapter 3. I should have told you to stick your finger there in Joshua. We're going to go back to Joshua chapter 3. And we're going to look at a little bit about position because we need to get in position. We need to make sure we're in position. Joshua chapter 3, verse 5. Joshua chapter 3, verse 5. And it says, Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Consecrate yourselves. Consecrate yourselves. What does that word consecrate mean? That word consecrate literally means to set apart. Set yourself apart because tomorrow the Lord is going to do wonders among you. The word consecrate also means to sanctify. Say sanctify. It means to sanctify. Do I have that on the next slide? Yeah, okay. It means uh, set apart, sanctify. It also means to make holy. To consecrate something for the Lord, they would make holy for the Lord. It would be set apart for the Lord. It's for the Lord's uses. It's, it's set apart. It's holy. It's consecrated unto the Lord. So not only to set apart, sanctify, make holy, but also bless. How about this? And deliver from religious traditional mindsets. Joshua, you need to be delivered. The people of Israel need to be delivered from traditional religious mindsets that says, I can't go into the promised land, but to a mindset that says, the Lord said this is ours, go get it. See, the, 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 the rest of them died in the wilderness because that was the mindset they had. Was it no? We just can't go into the promised land, because there's giants over there. I know it's a land flowing with milk and honey. I know there's a lot of good stuff over there, but I can't go in there because, well, I'm just a little grasshopper. We'll get to that in just a minute. So in order to consecrate ourselves, there's some things that we've got to get rid of. Let's get rid of some some thinking that we have. Let's get rid of poverty thinking. Poverty thinking. Let's get rid of that poverty thinking. And we're going to talk a little bit about that throughout this year. We're going to try to understand and identify that. And, and we've got to get rid of that. 
How about, how about this? We need to be able to get rid of the small thinking. Small thinking. We're just, we're just small. We're just teeny tiny. We're just small. There's really doesn't make a difference. I'm, I'm praying and believing God and not seeing anything happen. I, I really don't know if I'm even big enough or, or better to be able to do anything, to make anything happen. I don't know if I'm making a difference because we're just so small. We got to get rid of that small thinking. I mean, we have a big God. Nothing is too hard for God. Is that right? So why don't we line our thinking up with his thinking? So we've got to get rid of that small thinking. Captivity limited the Israelites to where they were in the past. Captivity limited the Israelites to where they were in the past. They, they just wanted to stay in the wilderness. They thought, you know, God had, had, had taken Moses and brought the Israelites out of Egypt to kill them in the desert. <laughs> they went from a place of not enough to a land in the desert of just enough. Nothing wore out. Their clothes didn't wear out. Their shoes didn't wear out. God provided manna every day. There was just enough. Say just enough. They were, they went from, they went from not enough to just enough. And now Joshua is bringing them into the land of more than enough. And I really believe we've got to get rid of this small thinking to say, God, you're wanting to bring me into a land that is not just just enough, but more than enough. Say more than enough. Tell your neighbor, say, I'm going to have more than enough. Tell your other neighbor, I'm going to have more than enough. And then no matter where you're at now and you're looking at it, you might say, well, I don't know. I've got just enough now. I'm telling you, we serve a big God that wants to give you more than enough, wants you to get you into the land of more than enough. And that's what he wanted to do with the Israelites, to get Joshua to say, hey, come on, consecrate yourself because God's going to do something tomorrow. You better consecrate yourself, set yourself apart because this time tomorrow, something's going to change. There's going to be an opportunity for you to go into a land of more than enough. Hallelujah. Hey, that gets me pumped up. I don't know about you. Amen? But see, what happens is, well, aren't we free people? Yeah, we're free. We're free in Christ. We're, we're free. But, but freedom can inhibit you. Do you know that you can be afraid of freedom? You take somebody that's been incarcerated for 10 or 15 or 20 years, and sometimes they're looking at that date when they're about to get out, and they're afraid. They're afraid of freedom. It's scary to them. Now all of a sudden I've been confined and now I'm going to be able to get out and I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. I don't know where I'm going to go. The world's been different. It's changed. So there's freedom. See, so we have to understand that that even as prisoners are free, that when we're free, that sometimes we can still be afraid of being free. We have freedom to do what we want to do. Sometimes I'm fearful that I might do something. Oh, come on, somebody. That I might do something that may not please my dad, but I still have the freedom to do it. And I have the freedom to make that decision. And sometimes I might make a wrong decision, but even sometimes I'm afraid to make a decision. Anybody ever been afraid to make a decision? It's like, you know, wow, I'm, I'm afraid to make a decision on that. So sometimes freedom can be frightening. So we've got to to understand that we've got to get rid of being afraid. We've got to get rid of those things. We also got to get rid of this, the grasshopper mentality. The Israelites said that we, the giants in the land, were too big. In fact, they said we were grasshoppers in their eyes 
as we're grasshoppers in our own eyes. How do you look at yourself? Oh, we grasshopper. <laughs> Are you just a little grasshopper? Are you just a little grasshopper? Are you a big grasshopper? See, a lot of times... You are, our identity is in Christ. And this is where God has got us shifting into this. It's got our identity in Christ that we are a son of God or you're a daughter of God. If you're a daughter, say, I'm a daughter of God. If you're a son of God, guys, say, I'm a son of God. I'm, I'm a son of God. Now, understand this. We can say that, but do we really see ourselves that way? And we're in a shifting. We're in a transformation that over the next, I don't know how long it's going to be. Whether it's 5 years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 100 years, 1,500 years, I don't know how long it's going to be. But the body of Christ has got to have a shift so we don't see ourselves as grasshoppers. We don't see ourselves losing to the enemy, but we see ourselves defeating the enemy and his tactics and fulfilling what God's called us to fulfill so we can so cannot put the blood of Jesus or trample on the blood of Jesus and do exactly what Christ died for us to do. So uh, you are bigger than what you think you are spiritually. Say, I'm not a grasshopper. And you may have to tell yourself three or four times in the mirror that I'm not a grasshopper, I'm not a grasshopper, I'm not a grasshopper. I'm a son of God. I'm a son of God. I'm a man or a woman of God. I'm joint heirs with Jesus. I'm the head and not the tail. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. As I began to, as I began to seek God, I had to tell myself that. Because I didn't see myself that way, James. I didn't see myself that I was a new creation because I still had some old habits. I still had some old ways. I still had some old mindsets. But the Bible says when I, when I become a Christian, when I become a believer in Christ, that the old has passed away and the new has come. So I've had to stand in the mirror and say, I'm a new creation. I'm a new species of being. I'm a new person. I got a new DNA. I got a new bloodstream. I got a new bloodline. I come from a new family in this new season. Can I get an amen? Oh, I'm preaching good up in here, you know, and because you got to understand who you are. And as I as I heard Barbara talk about a new season and how to position ourselves for this new season, I continually heard our identity, our identity, our identity, our identity. You talk about identity theft. The devil is the best identity theft person in the world. He'll steal your identity in a moment. And Jesus said, I'm going to protect that identity because you're joint heirs with me. You're part of what I'm part of. I died, give you an inheritance. You know, you're my brother. God's our father. Come on, somebody. It's, it's that identity. So God wants to move us from the land of just enough or not enough to just enough to more than enough. I want to get into the land of more than enough. I want to get into the land where then we can help others. I want to get into the place where when the Holy Spirit speaks, then I can be obedient to him. Okay? So the fourth thing, the fourth thing we're going to do to, to be able to position ourselves in this new season is keep your eye on the ark. Keep your eye on the ark or the presence of God. Keep your eye on the ark or the presence of God. Joshua chapter 3, verse 4 says, However... There shall be between you at a distance of about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you shall go, for you have not passed by this way before. 
You have not passed by this way before. You've not passed by this way before. What I've done in the old season may not work in the new season. What we've come through in the old season may develop character for the new season. But I've not come this way before. I've not stepped into, what is it, the 16th? I've not stepped into February 17th, 2011 before. This is a new day. Hello? It's a new day. Tomorrow's a new day. It's a new hour. There are things going on and things beginning to shake in the earth, and it is a new day. We have not been here before. We have not been here before. We have not been here before. So how are we going to be able to have success and position ourselves to be able to have victory in this new season? we got to understand we've not been here before. That's what God was saying. He says, you know what? You have not passed by this way before. The next thing that I want to give you is number five. Focus on your future. Focus on your future. I don't know how many times I've said this in in the 12 years that we've been ministering, but keep your eyes focused out into the front windshield and not on the rearview mirror. You can't drive down the street, Bobby, by looking at the rearview mirror. It's used to what? Glance, 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 glance. Because your windshield is bigger than your rearview mirror. Why? Because your future is a whole lot brighter and better than your past. (laughs) So I got to keep my eyes focused on my future. I've got to keep my eyes focused on your future. Paul said to forget those former things. Those things that are back there, the past, and grab a hold of what's ahead. Some of you just need to take the rearview mirror down. Not in your car, because I think it's illegal if you're driving around without a rearview mirror in your car. And I don't want you to take your rearview mirror down. I know exactly what would happen. You take your rearview mirror down, and you're driving along, and an officer pull you, and your rearview mirror is sitting in the back seat, and you would tell him, Well, Pastor Eric told me just to jerk my rearview mirror off my windshield. And he's going to say, here, have Pastor Eric pay this bill. But think about this. How many times do we get so focused that the rearview mirror or our past, our past is more important than our future, and it is not. Your past is not more important than your future. Your future is more important than your past. Can I get him amen? No matter how good a past you might have had. All I know is if you've had a bad past, this is a good message for you tonight. Amen. You had a bad past, it's like, get that thing back there. I don't even want to go back there, baby. I, I don't want to be like they did in Israel. And they got them out of Egypt and they said, look, well, they forgot about the 16, 18 hours of hard labor. And then they said, well, we missed the leeks and the onions. Man, it was sure some real good stir fry back then. It's good stuff. And they forgot all about the 16 or 18 hours of hard labor. I want to say goodbye to my past and step into my future because that's where my life is. That's where I'm going. That's where I'm headed because my future is a whole lot better than my past has ever been. There were some good glory days, but how many of you know the days ahead are better than the days that were behind? The days coming up are going to be better than those that are back there. And God's got provision in the days ahead if I keep my eyes Focused on the future. Tell three people, focus on the future. Come on, tell them, focus on the future. 
So you said, well, we got to have this. we got to have this. Pastor, you're just saying this because you're just trying to get me all fired up tonight. Yes. Yes, I am. But it's the truth because I want to speak truth to you. If you got a destiny, you want to be able to stop into that and come in and walk into that destiny. You want to stop the enemy? You just continue to stay focused on your future. Because he can't stop you. He can't stop you. And I know I said, said earlier, destiny is it's, it's not inconvenient. It's, there's going to be some inconvenience. Ruth had to sleep at the foot of Boaz's bed. And she used to have to go get grain and from the corners of the field and she worked in the fields i mean we had back in north carolina there was there was there were tobacco sharecroppers and we would we would you would pick tobacco and has anybody ever done that because in the morning those tobacco leaves are wet and you sit down just like this on a machine and them leaves slap you in the face as you're going along and you're you're cropping tobacco and you look at that and it's pretty inconvenient but, you know, God never said everything would be convenient. You know, I can't see in here where things were really convenient for Joshua <laughs> and the Israelites as they were entering into the promised land. But there's some people that just want to stay in Babylon. There were people when the Israelites were released to leave Babylon in the Medes-Persian area, era where they said, look, you guys can go back home if you want to. Some people stayed in Babylon. They stayed in Babylon. I'm going to focus on my future. I'm going to get out of Babylon. Can I get an amen? The sixth thing, number six, is find a new path to access your place. Find a new path. In other words, you might have gone down the same path, same path, same path, and all of a sudden you get there and it's blocked. Do we quit? What about if the door's locked? You go home tonight and your door's locked. You're just going to say, oh, well, door's locked. I guess I'll move out of that house. Huh? Aren't you going to find another way to get in? If our destiny is there and it's being blocked, then we're going to find another way to get in. It doesn't matter if the door's locked. It doesn't matter. Excuse me. It says, as we're being positioned, we are going to have to find a different way to get there. That's the promised land. We're still going to have to get there. That's where we're going. I'm still going to have to get there. In my life, if I've given up something or, or overcome something, it wasn't easy. And that not every time and every way was the same way. I couldn't overcome this and overcome that the exact same way. But if the enemy blocked it, then I had to find a way to get there. Because if I'm going to get to my promised land and he's in the way, I'm going to move around him. I'm going to move over him. I'm going to declare some things and, and command some things that he get out of my way. But if the door is locked, I'm going to have to find another way to get there. Somebody might say, well, you know what? Green Bay Packers is a prime example. I'm a Minnesota Viking fan, and we're really not happy of Green Bay people. I love Green Bay people. But this year, before the season started, I said if there was a team that I would pick to win, it would be Green Bay. And they had injury after injury after injury. They won the Super Bowl and still had three starters out during the game. Do you see what I'm getting at? Is that there, there, there was the ring. 
And that's what their prize was. And it didn't matter if somebody went down, they moved in. Come on, somebody. It didn't matter if somebody got hurt. Somebody else has got to step up because that's where we're going. That's what I'm going through. I'm, if the door is locked, I'm going to find another way to get there because the enemy's got the door locked on me. He's come to steal, kill, and destroy. I'll go in a window. I'll go down the chimney. I'll find a different way to get in there. Amen. I'll go through the garage and they have the garage door unlocked. I'll hide a key somewhere else and the enemy will not be able to stop you in this season. If you continue to look to your future, there's no way that he's going to be able to stop you. But if you find yourself stopped, get around him. Get around him. Say, get around him. Tell somebody, get around him. There's some things this season, the last thing, is that you're going to have to command some things. You're going to have to command some things to happen. You might have a loved one that you've been leaving God for. You just begin to command that they're coming in to the kingdom of God. You begin to command they're coming in to the kingdom of God. You begin to start commanding those things to happen. You begin to start commanding those things to happen. That You begin to start speaking those things out of your mouth. You may not even believe it when you first start commanding it, but all of a sudden it's going to become natural. It's going to become one thing within you, and your spirit's going to say, yes, this is going to happen. Yes, I'm moving forward. No, I'm going to, uh, I'm not going to let the enemy stop me. I'm not going to take no for an answer. I'm going to get. Jacob wrestled with an angel of the Lord. And some, some theologians say it was God himself. And he said, I am going to get what I'm going to get. And you're going to bless me. And I'm not going to move until you bless me. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. You know, so we got to understand that you're going to have to command some things to happen. The enemy is trying to lock up resources. And you're going to have to command, open up your gates, open up your doors, open up your resources, open up those, those streams of income, open those things up. You're going to have to start commanding those things to open up. If the gates closed and it's your gate, Martin, and it's the ones that are, that are keeping you from grazing in that next field, command that gate to be open and go open that gate up. Can I get an amen? And then get them cattle in there, grazing on that good ground so they can gain weight, so the kingdom of God can be advanced, and the resources that God has will be, be released to you because you're a kingdom man and you're kingdom-minded, and those resources will flow. Hallelujah. See, the enemy's trying to lock up resources, trying to lock them up, and he'll lock them up. And you'll go and say, uh, it's locked. It's locked. <laughs> I can't go that way. It's locked. Or you'll go, hmm, it's locked. Looks locked. Maybe locked. Hey, it's open. You may The lock might not have been closed. It just looked that way. It looked that way. We had somebody in our, in our playground right here. Don't tell anybody else. Secret tonight. In the playground, there was, we have a couple gates, and there's a lock on there. You can actually take a bar up and push both gates and they open. Drive a truck right on in there. But when you look at it, it's locked. I had somebody came back to me one time and said, the gate's locked. I said, it may look that way, but take that thing and just push it open. The enemy tries to do that with your resources. He's trying to look like it's locked up. He's trying to look like he's not, God's not providing. Say, God is my provider. Say, in this new season, I'm going to look for my future. I'm going to look ahead. I'm not going to look behind. Unlock my resources. 
Yeah, you tell the enemies, you say, unlock my resources. Come on. Unlock my resources. Say it again. Unlock my resources. I mean, there may be times where you're just going to have to to get violent and say, unlock my resources. I am not going to take no for an answer. This is what God wants to do, and we're going to step into that. Amen. Say, get ready for a new season. Tell your neighbor, say, get ready for a new season, neighbor. You better get ready for a new season. We're going to reposition ourselves. We're positioning ourselves, and we're coming into a place of victory. We're coming into a place like Joshua was able to take the Israelites into the promised land. Now, when they went in, the giants just didn't say, oh, here comes the Israelites. Let's just give them all our, you know, milk and honey and our big grapes and everything else that we've got, all our provision. Let's just give that to them. No, they have to war for it. And I wish I could tell you that you aren't going to have to war for it. I believe there were times where you'll have to work and work and work and work just like a pump. And you work 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 and all of a sudden it gets primed. And then it starts to come. And that cool water comes up, doesn't it, Lloyd? That cool water begins to flow. But sometimes you have to just work and work and work and work and work those things. Are you ready for a new season? Are you ready for a new season? Are you ready to step into some things? Or maybe step out of some things? Or maybe, you know, purify some things and sanctify some things? Because we've not been this way before. Things are different. We're in a different age. The industrial age is gone. We're into a technological age, an age of communication. I mean, you can, you can, somebody can oust a president in, in Egypt today, and we find out at, at 10 o'clock, and we find out at 10.01 it happened. Do you know years ago that wasn't possible? I mean, sometimes we didn't find out when you watch the news the next morning. But now, Internet and everything else, I mean, we're just in a different age, and we've not been this way before. I'm ready for a new season. I'm excited for a new season. How about you? Stand to your feet tonight. Let me pray for you. Just, just put your hands up and say, Lord God.